Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tobin. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of Le Bourgeois, the official League Arm podcast. Coming up in the next hour, PSG march on at the top thanks to their in-form Argentines. Marseille win again thanks to their back-in-form Argentine. Lyon are back in business thanks to a whole variety of players, none of whom are from Argentina. And... We also ask, has Ligue 1 recovered from the day that Gaël Givet decided to shave off his beard? Joining me this morning in the pod, I have Armel Tangi. Good morning, Armel. Morning. Armel, who is uh, one of one of our, our main commentators on the English World Feed. What game did you have this weekend, Armel? Uh, Leon. Nothing to do with Gaël Givet. Not a beard in sight, I don't think. Maybe Leon, Dante's... Uh... Counted, maybe. But Leon against Nice, nice. Yeah. it was, yeah. We'll talk about that later. Andy Scott, who was uh, commentating the Marseille game, the big Sunday night clash mm. in France. Marseille uh, awaited to lose. How are you, Andy? I'm very good, thank you very much. And if I lean back far enough in David Cross's flat, I can see the Eiffel Tower, which is always a, a wonderful sight on a Monday morning. It is. What a, what a privilege, uh, Dave, to be here looking at the Eiffel Tower, looking at these uh, three... Uh, wonderful, wonderful journalists opposite me as well. How are you, Dave? Yeah, good. I shaved off my beard because otherwise I wasn't going to be allowed on the podcast this morning. Yeah, that's true. It was getting gay or GVS, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit. Let's start. We'll talk more about haircuts and beards uh, in uh, in a few moments. But let's start at the Parc des Princes, where Paris Saint-Germain were victorious. They've had a few hiccups this season, but uh, no trouble against Lille, the side that finished second in Ligue 1 last season. Robbie Thompson saw the action. Oh, lovely one-time pass from Di Maria for Gay. And at the back post, Mauro Icardi is there again. Goal number six of the season for Mauro Icardi. Draxler, oh, he's done that nicely. Draxler, lovely ball for Di Maria. And Di Maria makes it two. And he joins Icardi on six goals. There goes the final whistle. An excellent first half from Paris Saint-Germain was enough. So PSG securing, in the end, what was a comfortable 2-0 victory. They remain eight points clear at the top. Uh, Andy, you were at the Parc des Princes. It was, uh, of course, a good win for Paris Saint-Germain. They had Neymar uh, back in the starting eleven, Mbappe on the substitutes bench, but uh, it, it did take them a bit of a while to get going and Kalor Navas had to make a number of saves. Yeah, very important save by Navas right at the very beginning, actually, uh, from Sheka, the uh, Lille midfielder. But I, I, I think, um, you know, I mean, I, I quite often say this when we're talking about Paris Saint-Germain, um, that, you know, I, I quite regularly attend games at the Parc des Princes and uh, as a neutral, what I really want to see is, is a game of football. And... Um, too often, it doesn't quite work out that way because uh, the opposition will give a, a, a cheap goal away early in the game and, and, and not manage to, uh, to recover. And uh, that was the case here, really. I think the opening goal was a little bit of a soft one. And um, Lille 
you know, were 2-0 were behind before they, they really start. I mean, they made a, a bit of a fist of it in the second half, but the game had gone away from them by then. Um, Neymar obviously coming back, uh, didn't have a brilliant game. He, he was taken off in the second half and, and went straight back to the dressing room. And Thomas Tuchel was asked about it afterwards, you know, was this a, a, an attitude problem or something? And it, to be fair to him, he, he uh, dismissed uh, those suggestions. But not a brilliant performance from Neymar, not a brilliant performance from uh, PSG, but again, enough to win the game. And, and you know, uh, the, one of the disappointing things was that Lille came there last season's runners-up on a really bad run of form and without two of the best players. Victor Ozymen was was suspended, the top scorer, and Jonathan Bamba, who I know hasn't been as good this season as he was last season, but um, he wasn't there either. It's just one win in 10 in all competitions Yeah, one win in 10. They're and down so, to 10th. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I think a few weeks ago you would have looked at that game and thought, yeah, this could be an exciting fixture. But in reality, it was a fairly routine win for, for Paris Saint-Germain. And obviously, the goals from the two Argentinians who were fresh after not being on international duty. And you do wonder why they're not on international duty. Obviously, Icardi and Di Maria in fantastic form. And um, that presents a problem for Thomas Tuchel because with Neymar back and Mbappe back again, you know, who does he leave out of his uh, starting lineup in attack apart from Edinson Cavani? Because Cavani is probably not going to be in the starting lineup again anytime soon. That's the big question, isn't it? Going, uh, looking forward to the Real Madrid game, PSG going to the Bernabeu on uh, on Tuesday night, and Tuchel has got some some cut some tough decisions to make. The feeling is, yes, that Cavani will be on the bench, but uh, they have these four superstars because Di Maria in 2019 has been, uh, I think it's fair to say, the best attacking player for for Paris Saint Germain. Just to to touch on Neymar, you mentioned he went down the tunnel straight into the dressing room when he was taken off. He had uh, just 50 touches during his hour on the pitch. He lost one third of the uh, of the balls that uh, that he had. So it wasn't a great performance and it, Tuchel dismissing um, that there was an attitude problem. By the way, he prepared for his comeback by jetting over to, to Madrid to watch some Davis Cup tennis. Uh, you know, that we, we saw a lot of desire and a lot of uh, determination from Neymar at the beginning of the season when he started to come back and was getting booed. But is he sort of falling back into the uh, slightly um, uncommitted Neymar that we've seen in, in the recent past? Well, I'm not going to rush to judgment. He's clearly not fully fit yet. Let's uh, talk about that again in maybe two weeks' time. Um, because he went to the Davis Cup, I thought about recycling my ace joke when we were talking about Novak Djokovic the other week. He definitely wasn't ace on Friday. Um, I'd like to talk a bit more about Di Maria, though, because, um, yes, lovely goal, very good going forward. And I saw he got eight out of ten in the keep. I'd have marked him down at least two because he nearly gave away two goals. He put the worst up and under I've seen since Frederick Michelak in the 2003 Rugby World Cup semi-final against England. And that should have led to a goal. And then he got caught on the edge of his own area. And if Loic Remy had been the Loic Remy of a few years ago, then he'd have buried that chance and it would have set up an exciting finish. Yeah, the Loic Remy of his Newcastle years. Exactly, yeah, he should never have left. Yeah, well, um, interesting, interesting uh, analogy. What do, what, do, what do you think, Armel, just looking looking ahead to Tuesday? Because the talk is um, that Tuchel, given that PSG are in a fairly comfortable position and can, can give it a go, perhaps, in the Bernabeu, they might go with with the front four and it's hard to imagine him leaving Mbappe or, or Neymar out given given the uh, the precious nature of the two person I know given their given their star status let's say absolutely and I think it's a good thing for PSG now that Neymar's got that first his return out of the way and equally that Flamengo have beaten River Plate now he can fully focus on <laughs> PSG's game against Real Madrid um, 
Another positive from that game, or perhaps another selection headache, was uh, Draxler's performance. Union Draxler in midfield, who had his best game for quite a long time for PSG. Um, I just think that Dave's playing with my microphone a bit, so get off, Dave. Your light's pointing the wrong way. That's the that's all I'm going to say. Get that a lot. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I I think PSG are, are, are gaining in strength when. When you think of all the options they have now, whether that's in Europe or in the league, they they're capable of brushing teams aside. And I mean, right now, I don't want to make my mind up too much about them. I'll wait until February. That's when the real tests come. But they're looking good, PSG, and with all these players coming back, it's a it's a good sign. I think they should make it a bit more exciting. They should get Zlatan back just to add to the problems. Maybe Ben Arfa <laughs> as well, and then we'll have a, a proper war of egos. That that's what we're going to need to sustain ourselves when it comes to March or April. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my coup de gueule. We had, we had a bit of a discussion this morning and there were quite a few contenders for the, uh, for the coup de gueule, which is our, our weekly rant, but I'm going to take command of the situation here. Oh, merde. Quelle bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. Now, my coup de gueule is um, about Jose Mourinho and about, and about Lille. And I just didn't like the way it all panned out. You know, I, I realise there's a lot of excitement because Jose is back. He's back in the Premier League with with Tottenham, of course. And the world is talking about that. Nobody, uh, certainly outside of France, is talking too much about Christophe Galtier and the fact that he had two of his backroom staff taken away from him uh, just two or three days before a huge game against Paris Saint-Germain. And I think it is, uh, it's tough on Galtier. Yes, that is the, uh, the way of modern football, but I just feel the way that uh, Tottenham, and in particular Mourinho, dealt with it showed uh, a distinct lack of respect. We saw last season, um, and even earlier this season, Jose Mourinho at the uh, Stade Pierre Mauroy. He was invited along. We know he's a good friend with uh, Lille sporting director, Luis Campos. And uh, yeah, and he was all smiles. He was all charm. He was giving interviews to, to, to French television. He was saying how much he, he respects Christophe Galtier. And the two do know each other. Um, I wouldn't say they know each other well, but they've exchanged on a number of occasions, even when Galtier was Saint-Étienne boss and they played uh, Mourinho's Manchester United. Um, and I just think it would have been nice. It would have been nice to deal with it slightly differently, to make a, a, a statement, to thank Lille, to to contact Christophe Galtier, who by all accounts was uh, was totally in the dark. And uh, yeah, Lille have basically said to Tottenham and Mourinho, OK, you can take these guys and they've obviously been rewarded financially. But yeah, for me, it just uh, it just smacks it's, of uh, lack of class. It's a very difficult um, situation, isn't it? Because it's not something we think an awful lot about. You know, the, we, we think about the coach... And we don't really think about the people working in the background with them. Um, and in, in this case, Christophe Galtier has lost his assistant, as well, Joel Sacramento, as well as his goalkeeping coach, and a goalkeeping coach, Nuno Santos, who I think I'm right in saying was at Benfica at the time that Mourinho, as a player at the time when Mourinho was starting his coaching career at Benfica. So he, he, you know, he knows Mourinho going back quite a long way. Um, but Nuno Santos, uh, as a goalkeeping coach, obviously he's not somebody who's in the foreground. The goalkeeping coach is never somebody who you hear much about. But Mike Magnon, the Lille goalkeeper, has come on uh, leaps and bounds, to use a cliche, in his time at Lille. It was interesting to see him play against PSG the other night because, of course, he was a PSG player and, and had to leave the Parc des Princes to, to 
get regular football, but there was an interview that Mike Magnon gave to the Sports Daily L'Equipe uh, a few weeks ago in which he actually uh, was very effusive in his praise of Nuno Santos, the work that Nuno Santos had done in the 18 months that he'd been there working with him and improving him as a goalkeeper. Mike Magnon was the best goalkeeper in Ligue 1 last season, voted for by his peers. And so that gives you an idea of what Christophe Galtier has lost there, his assistant as well as a very important goalkeeping coach. And you're right, to lose two men like that two days before that game is is very significant. But it's more than that. It's just suddenly he's had these two men taken away from him in the middle of the season and he's got to try and find a way of, of dealing with that. And but obviously, They're still not the two most important men that he's lost over the last six months though, are they? That's Nicolas Pepe and Rafael Leal. But of course, he, yeah. he might lose even more important because I think Joao Sacramento... So the other other bloke that left this week is he was uh, Lewis Campos's man. He was with him at Monaco, mm. and then yeah, went you know to you Lille say you him, say so. you say Pepe um, and um, who's the other oh, chap? Yeah. Rafael Leao, the most important players. They they you know from from our point of view they probably are, but we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, and we don't know how important you know these these guys, the staff. Yes, it's always the coach that that, that talks. Always the coach we hear about, but. Staff is really important. And look, I can understand Sacramento and Santos wanting to go to um, to work with Jose Mourinho. I can understand him want, wanting to earn a, a reported £500,000 a, a year. And I can understand Tottenham wanting and needing a, a new goalkeeping coach because, frankly, um, there is some improvement required. But, yeah, for me, it was just the way it all went went down, really. And, and the fact that, yeah, I, yeah, the timing of it. But look, I think I've had my good girl. And I think Andy's got a really good one coming up for next week. So prepare that, prepare that. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to get that off my chest. Let's move on and talk about the football. Uh, another big club, um, some would say the biggest club in France, but uh, Olympique de Marseille. I didn't say that. I just said some might say. Olympique de Marseille were victorious again. Andre Villas-Boas has, uh, has got them winning football matches on a regular basis. They remain in second position following their victory away to Toulouse that was watched by Andy Scott. Radonjic looking for Payet, Germain won the tackle, Payet again, it's a really clever ball by Payet and it's set up the goal from Dario Benedetto, that is the kind of service that Benedetto thrives upon and Marseille having been up against it just a few moments ago have got the breakthrough Radonjic got the break of the ball, Radonjic to finish it well, Nemanja Radonjic is a player who's uh, really lacked confidence ever since arriving at Marseille at the beginning of last season. But that was a very confident finish indeed. You're listening to the dulcet tones of Andy Scott, one of Scotland's premier commentators. And uh, Andy, what did you think? It wasn't a, wasn't an incredible game of football. Toulouse are, are really struggling, aren't they? And uh, they lost Moreira to... Uh, to a red card it made life difficult for themselves Marseille uh, again it it wasn't vintage but they they got the job done in the end yeah I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on Toulouse for too long I mean they're a struggling team they've lost four games in a row and they did put up quite a good fight actually given that they spent uh, more than half the game down to 10 men uh, Marseille have won three games in a row um, they're looking pretty solid without being anything spectacular Andre Villas-Boas is, is doing a, a pretty decent job. Uh, another, obviously, Portuguese coach uh, making headlines at the moment. Another Portuguese coach with links to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, he, uh, 
he, I mean, you know, he obviously had problems coming into this game because his two starting centre-backs were suspended. Alvaro Gonzalez, you remember, was sent off against Lyon a couple of weeks ago. And Duya Chaletasar was suspended as well. So Bubakar Kamara moved back into central defence, which is traditionally his position. Um, I say traditionally, he's only just turned 20, he's a young lad. And uh, Luca Peran played alongside him, but they weren't overly troubled at the back. It's a clean sheet for them. Um, they weren't brilliant in midfield, but, you know, they just kept knocking at the door and eventually got the goals in the final 15 minutes of a first goal since early October for Dario Benedetto, his sixth of the season, and a first goal in Liga and full stop for Nemanja Radonjic in his 27th appearance. And Vilas Boas, yeah, and, and Vilas Boas deserves um, a lot of credit here because Marseille were struggling a little bit against the 10 men and he just made a little tweak with 20 minutes left, brought on a second striker in Valer Germain who actually played a, a pretty significant part in the two goals brought on Radonjic on the wing and it made the difference and, and it's only the second time this season that Marseille have won a game by more than one goal the only other game if you remember was against Strasbourg about a month ago when they won 2-0 because Kevin Stroopman scored a penalty in injury time so they've not been winning games by big margins they're not running away with matches they've got I think a, a, a goal difference of zero now after that result Um you know they're 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 not spectacular, but they're in second place and they're beginning to talk now, beginning to express this aim that they're going to really push for a top three finish. They believe they can do it, and when you look around them, you look at the competition. You have to say that if they can keep their main players fit and playing, Payet's on good form, brilliant pass for the opening goal. Then um, there's no reason why they can't finish in the top three, and I think it would be uh, I think it would be great for them, and I think it would be great for French football if, if they did two, get back into I mean, the Champions know, League. Second is 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 far better than third, isn't it? Because you don't have to go through the uh the, the the qualifiers. I just, just touching on AVB. Um, why why are you laughing at me? Second, well, second is yeah, better. Than yes, fact. No, fact, no. But yes. I said far better. No, I mean it's like it's not just one position better. Um, mm. AVB, I think I think has really got the spirit. I think he's uh, he's he's really taking the club forward. And uh, one issue I have with uh, with the with, with the French and the way they talk about Andre Villas-Boas. <laughs> just one issue? Yeah, just the one. The special two. I mean, they, 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 they call him the special two and they say that's because the English called him the special two after after Jose was the special one. The question I have is, is that true that in England he was called the special two? And does it actually work as a pun? Because I don't think it does. Yes, he was called that in the press for a while. Mm. But then things unraveled no, quite quickly in, in his first... <laughs> few months so uh and he got a big payoff as everyone does when you get dismissed from a job in England but he, he's he's got a chance with Marseille here because one thing we always say is how how little Marseille uses its academy and when you look at the team they took to Toulouse last night Camera 20 years old from the academy Lopez 21 Perra 21 and on the bench they had a bunch of lads most people have probably never heard of but Ali Mohamed Shabro Lehaji and Ake all at the academy as well unseen territory I've got to say to, the, the coaches are, are quite fearful when their players come back from international duty but taking the example of Radonjic as Andy pronounced it way better than I did he scored against Luxembourg that was clearly a huge morale booster for him so going away with your national side can have a positive impact as well as a negative one in terms of the travel fatigue etc and scoring against Luxembourg is that harder or more prestigious than scoring against well, Toulouse don't, the don't, forget, don't forget Matt uh, it, it, when France played Luxembourg in Toulouse in a World Cup qualifier a couple of years ago, they drew nil-nil. Good so, you know, Good They couldn't knowledge. score against Luxembourg, Nemanja But, but, but the question did. I wanted to ask, I'll, I'll throw this one to Armel. What is the point of Toulouse? <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Um, anyone like purple? I'm not a big fan. It's... Toulouse, Toulouse, I think Toulouse is France's fourth 
biggest city, fourth or fifth? Well, maybe agglomeration. Big agglomeration. It's a big rugby city, uh, we know. But listen, you these guys... You can walk to the ground from the city centre, which always gets a bonus point in my book. Yeah, it's a lovely it's on town. An island, it's a lovely yeah. town. It's on an island. Well, the stadium is on yeah, an island. On it's, island. It's a nice stadium. But the, the people of Toulouse don't seem to care too much about the football team. Um, the, the football team don't seem to care about entertaining anybody. They're... They're, they're, you know, I don't want to be too rude, but they're a team of cloggers. They have been for the last 10 or 15 <laughs> years. They survive just just about. Under Alan Casanova, it was stodgy football. It's stodgy football under Antoine Comboire. And, you know, it's, oh, always, it's, you. it's always shown up when Marseille come because the, the stadium's full of Marseille fans and it's about the only time I'm with the stadium's you, Matt. We full. Would, we wouldn't miss them if they did get relegated mm. and maybe they could then come back with slightly different ideas. And that would be a good thing because the, the contrast between the fervour surrounding the rugby team and the disinterest in the football team plus the difference in styles because the rugby team are the most entertaining team in France by a distance and the football team consistently have underwhelmed. You see them playing in that Sunday night primetime fixture and you think, uh, what's on at the cinema? Uh, Mm. An interesting uh, figure though that I saw this morning is that there are actually more uh, licensed footballers in Haute-Garonne, the region where Toulouse is, than there are in Seine-Saint-Denis which is the northern suburb of Paris where pretty much 70, 15% of the World yeah. Cup players and come from. Yeah, 75% of Ligue 1 seems That's to the thing, have been the, the potential up, so. is there and in some respects it seems um, it is untapped because they do occasionally have a big game where the, the stadium fills up and, and there was an element of that when Pascal Duprat was the coach a couple of years ago and, and, and led them to a miraculous escape from relegation and the, the people seem to get behind it very briefly. But one of the problems is the, the to me, extremely uninspiring coaching appointments. I mean, bringing back mm. Alain Casanova was not very exciting. Um, appointing Antoine Kumbari with the greatest respect. You know, I, I've said this before, but I remember Antoine Kumbari in, in an Aberdeen team beaten 5-0 by Dundee United uh, back in the mid-90s and uh, he was pretty awful as a player in that game and uh, as a coach he's never really done an awful lot to inspire me that's a bit harsh eh? he was alright when he scored against Real Madrid well I think that shows you the the, the level the difference in level between the Scottish uh, Premier League and (laughs) were were you the one with the flag that said Numea Golf Aberdeen in that order (laughs) (laughs) I'm no Aberdeen fan that Um, that, that interesting comment about Pascal Duprat has brought us on to um, to to, to a very quick fun section because we're going to be doing we're going to be doing best 11s and Pascal Duprat was uh, was the coach of Gael Givet at Evian Tonon Gaillard and uh, Gael Givet didn't have a happy time at Evian and he gave um, an interview to L'Equipe this weekend uh, the former France defender who played for for Monaco Marseille Blackburn as well in uh, in England and he revealed that he was getting snubbed by Evian because of his beard and he had this big big beard big bushy um log cutter's beard and um that's not how Dupras saw it <laughs> <laughs> yeah in this interview he claims that, that there was uh, a bit of prejudice and nobody told him that they didn't like the beard but he kept getting left out and then one day he decided to shave the beard off and he got picked and he and he said guys I've had enough of this and he didn't want to play for them so we're going to pick our our dodgy 11 dodgy looking doesn't have to be bearded but um it's all water under the bridge now though isn't it and maybe Dupras bottled that decision at Evian oh it is. It is water <laughs> under the bridge. I'm going to get us underway with um, a goalkeeper, unless anybody's got, got got a better goalkeeper than Guillermo Ochoa, who who had those nice, flowing good. locks, and it was nice bandana, lovely bandana, dodgy look. Great goalkeeper though. Okay, um, I'll go right back then if I can. Yeah. Uh, current player, Mathieu Debuchy. Stop the tattoos. Big, be- big beard and tattoos. It's not an anti-beard thing. 
with Debussy. <laughs> centre-backs, I've got loads. Jive, by the way, can play left-back or centre-back, so... Andy? Uh, well, I was going to I was going to mention a, a former Ligue 1 player who uh, Armel brought up before. Uh, I think it was Armel, uh, Mikael Debev. Was he a defender or a midfielder? I can't remember, but he he was a coach at Toulouse, funnily enough, uh, briefly recently. Looked a bit like a scarecrow, nightclub bouncer, and and, uh, and and played and played in in a great Racing Club de Lens team that won the league in the late nineteen nineties. Didn't course. he score the winner for Lens at Wembley against Arsenal? He did, yeah. And Daniel and, Leclerc, and of course Dan, Daniel Leclerc, who who not to put Daniel Leclerc in a team, but Daniel Leclerc was of course nicknamed, uh, who who sadly passed away at the end of last week, the legendary coach of the Lens team that won the league, but nicknamed the Druid because of his. Of his uh, hairstyle. Uh, get a fix. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with um, Yunus Sonkari. <laughs> yes. He's not a, uh, perhaps not the dodgiest looking bloke, but he missed three games last season because a beard transplant went wrong and um, he wasn't able to play. So that's mine. Ah, good shout. Sonkari in, in midfield. So we still need uh, a <coughs> Well, ne- Well, up front, obviously. Up front, obviously, Neymar. Neymar. For his many, yeah. many... Mm. Um, Crimes against and Daniel Luboya. You, you mentioned him. He had Daniel Luboya. Yes, Luboya. But the, the, uh, can we the go Mohican? Bukali at right back. Gary Bokali. I, I picked Debussy, but he can Dibushi. also play left back if he has to. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Bokali. Yep. Former. Bokali could play left back. He former was Montpellier midfielder who looked a lot like the guy from Red Dwarf. He had like that kind of. Craig Charles, I think. Craig yeah. Charles. Yeah. Anakin Skywalker. Curly yeah. mullet thing going. Um, I wanted to put Dante in in defence because I just love that that nice hair, cushion but, headers though. Mm. Cushion headers, David Luiz and uh, Matteo Genduzzi are both potential shouts. Did Genduzzi actually play in Ligue 1? Yeah, a few minutes. A few yeah. minutes. Um, and I, I think, apart from Chris Waddle, who is definitely going to play on the left wing, because not only did he have a dodgy look, he started a whole trend for I'd pick, for I'd pick him on the right. But in, 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 the, in the south of France. On the right, okay. So I, I think we're pretty much there, guys. I mean, there's a bit of a, a, a difference in, in sort of... Uh quality throughout that team isn't there there's one or two uh, real standout great players and mm. others not so much but you know they get in there and on, on the, 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 the oh, really I'd, important I'd just like to get someone in the team like who looks like he's never left his home village and I've been trying to rack my brains for someone I, I want to say Etienne Dido and it's nothing against him he, he looks like the sort of bloke you'd bump into at the, the local cafe where people are filling in their their pools coupons. Is that where he met what his uh, a, Chilean pop star wife? A, a, bar, a Bardonado? Is that, that the yeah. um, former Nice and Marseille defender? Yeah. He was quite dodgy looking, quite scary. Yes. Alexi Bassetti, saw him this weekend. He was at Leon watching Nice. Okay, what? No, look, I think that team would be very entertaining with Waddle and Neymar. You would be, you would, it would be a, a, a step, over, balls, step over tastic team. Rudy Voller, let's just put him in as well. Let's move on, guys. Plenty of mullets there. Let's move on uh, to the football. We had uh, a big game on Saturday between Leon and Nice. Armel Tangi commentated it, and uh, this is what happened. Fiera's Nice. Prided themselves on their uh, rock-solid defence last season. It's a different tale this time around. They've conceded 19 goals in their uh, first 13 games. Only Amiens Toulouse have conceded more in the league this season. Not too sure exactly what's changed, but they're going to have to be careful here as uh, Ren Adelaide picks up the ball and shoots a goal and finds the corner. Moussa Dembele in on goal, fouled penalty. And Dembele makes it to Sends Benitez the wrong way. And that is his 30th goal in Leon Colours. Well, that was a high foot, surely, from Marcel. And the referee's gone to his back pocket, and the Brazilian is off. Jeffrey Adelaide has uh, 
joined the injured party up in the stands as Burnett delivers for Dolberg and that's a quality finish. Armel, a big win then for Leon. Rudy Garcia needed that after uh, losing away to Marseille before the international break. Um, it was a workmanlike victory. They needed to dig in after losing Fernando Marsal to a, a red card before half-time. But overall, uh, Leon, good value for the three points? Yeah, I think they deserved it. I think Nice were quite poor, but um, Leon started strongly and that was rewarded before Marsal's summer training camp with Bruce Lee came into play. Anyone see why he got sent off? He yeah. basically yes. just kicked Boudaoui in the it's ear. like watching it Patrice Evra on Marseille fans, basically. That's a very good comparison. It, it was a strong high kick from Marseille, so hats off to him, and he probably knocked a hat off with the kick or two. But um, back to the football, and Garcia, he's unbeaten now at home in Ligue 1 with, uh, with Lyon, which is quite impressive. He'd never won a game at the Groupama Stadium before taking over as Leon boss and that includes that Europa League final of course with Marseille against Well if that yeah Atletico if that Madrid. stat went on for a long time he he would be in trouble wouldn't he Definitely when you're the Leon coach yeah. you need to win the odd home game But in- interestingly um because of course Depay was missing and Awar was missing as I mentioned in commentary um the first time since the 25th of September that someone other than Dembélé or Depay scored mm. when Jeffrey Adelaide who Leon had been looking to in the absence of two other creative players Open the scoring after 10 minutes. Um, and then Ren, Ren, Ren Adelaide, who played, uh, I think, two games for the under 21. Hey, France, under 21 captain now, Ren Adelaide. Scored for them as well over the international break. A couple of goals against Georgia. That was, that was his, his, his first goal for Leon. But there, there are suggestions in L'Equipe newspaper this morning that he's, uh, he's asking questions already about his situation at the club because he has been on the bench a lot. And uh, this game against Nice, he was sacrificed towards the end of the first half when Marcel was, uh, was, was sent off. I mean, my analysis of that is purely that, he, yes, he played 90 minutes twice over the international break. And they the need him against Zenit St. Petersburg what, because what, there's, going to be a, there's going to be a fitness test for Depay, which might already have happened by the time you listen to this. But Alwar's definitely out with a thigh mm. problem. Depay's probably out with a thigh problem. So they need Ren Laid to back up That's Dembele, what, who's now the top scorer in Ligue 1 Conferama with his yeah. 10 goals. I think... But, sorry, Andy, but that's mm. what Garcia said. Yeah, it was a precaution because we can't afford to lose Ren Adelaide. But it, this is not the first time. There have been several incidents where he's been the player yeah. sacrificed or he's been left out. Um, so my, my memory when it comes to football is extremely short these days. But in the Olympico, which I commentated uh, no less, was he taken off at yeah. halftime? Yeah, yeah, he was taken yeah. off at halftime in that game. I think I think the situation at the weekend was ever so slightly different because they're 2-0 up in the game. The sending off comes. And when you lose a left back sent off like that you have to take off an attacking player to, to rebalance your defence you're going to take off René Delaide or Martin Terry who were sort of interchanging between the, the number 10 position and the left wing so you know you can't really to me you can't really read too much into that but yeah since, well, you, you since take off Martin Terry eh? because René Delaide's been of, just of about course, the best player they, you know, of course yeah but you know I think, I think you, you put well, it I into say, some context and I, you say that yeah, yeah the, the, the broader the broader question is a valid one he signed in, in August and uh, he's he's not yet completed 90 minutes and that is curious for a player who costs 25 million euros. I think when everyone's fit, I would like to see Renad Laid and Awar playing as wide players, as wide playmakers, a bit like Bernardo Silva and Tommy Lemar were in that fantastic Monaco team with the Pai and Dembele up front. And I think that's where Lyon will get their most joy and be able to go on an extended winning run and probably challenge for second or third.
They've got a huge game coming up uh, in midweek against Zenit. They need to take something from from that game. Just to to talk about Nice, do we need to start worrying about the Nice project? They are they are fifteenth Armel in the standings now. There were some bad mistakes. I think Leon's first two goals came about following errors from Dante and then Ensoki. Um, and you know Patrick Vieira has been given a little bit more to play with in terms of uh, in terms of talent, in terms of signings. And it doesn't seem to be getting better. I'm not too worried for them, though, honestly. Um, concentration problems. They, they do have the youngest squad in, in Ligue 1. Granted, Dante made one of those mistakes that led to a goal on Saturday. But there's quality there. They were without their best player on Saturday, who's Yusuf Atal by, by some way. He was suspended. He'll be back next weekend. Casper um, Dolberg, who doesn't see much of the ball, is clearly a top-class finisher. Um, he showed that with the goal that he took. There's quality in that midfield. One thing though, Unas, who was brought in as a sort of summer salvation recruit, he's just a lesser talented San Maxima, isn't he? He just tries to dribble everyone, but just doesn't do it quite as well as Anel San Maxima. I don't, uh, I don't really understand. I liked him when he was at Bordeaux, but yeah, so did he, I. He had, he had a directness about him, hmm. and uh, he didn't do too badly at Napoli, did he? I know he wasn't first choice all the time. I think I think that's harsh, but yeah, he is struggling. He's struggling to make an impact. I think what is good from um, from Patrick Vieira's point of view is that the players are aware of the shortcomings. And what, what one thing I really do like about Dante, and this is what a captain should do, is that he's always very honest in his appraisal of his own performances and the team's performances. He'll always front up and talk to the media and do those awkward interviews, sparing some of his younger colleagues. I, I think as well, just the final word on Nice, um, you know, they, it, it's, you should we be worried about the the Ineos project? I mean, they are still just a couple of wins off the the European places. It's very tight in the in the league table. And when you know they've just come off taking four points from two home games, and they go to Lyon and lose, you know they're not going to expect to win away to Lyon, are they? So I think there's no need to panic. You're listening to Andy Scott talking on Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 podcast. Uh, Before we move on to our next big feature game, um, a special mention for a couple of uh, smaller teams. Um, Angers doing incredibly well. They they briefly moved up to second place. They're they're third now after Marseille's victory. But Angers winning again 1-0 against bottom side Nîmes, thanks to Thomas Mongani's goal. And I think it was a thoroughly deserved victory for, nice for Moulin's team. Good technical quality. And people worried about how they'd go technically after selling Renad Laid. But uh, I admit, I only saw highlights of this game, but some of the moves they put together were breathtaking. And every year there are two or three Angers players who emerge. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I was wondering, because I've got one in mind who I think is going gonna, is gonna to be off to a... Is it, large or Santa is Maria? Is it Betty Santa Maria? Nori. Sorry, uh, Ayat Nouri's young. Uh, no, I think uh, I think a couple of years for Ayat Nouri, but Bati Santa Maria, I mm. think, is looking mm. the part in central midfield. I think he's 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 got that technique and he's got presence now. He seems to have a bit of strength and power about him as well. He's got a, a decent shot, shot from range the, as well. Hit yeah, the poster yeah, on, yeah. on Saturday. He's Poor man, Jordan Veritu. He's the player that covered the most kilometers in Ligue 1 last season. I remember. I commentated a uh, friendly in the summer between Angers and Arsenal and uh, Arsenal played a young team as did Angers but Santa Maria was just head and shoulders bossing that midfield he was he was so impressive and, uh, uh, and just just on Angers they have the best home record in the division they they're, they're tearing up the stadium at the moment and there's only about 8 to 9000 people going to the games but they've they get they've got the most points at home of any team in Ligue 1, including Paris Saint-Germain. And a point more than they had at the same stage in 2015 when they were third at Christmas so they're doing well Another team tearing it up. All of a sudden, they were 
near the bottom um, recently, but Strasbourg are on the up and they got a 4-0 success away to Amiens. They hadn't actually scored in six away games this season. They hit four. Ludovica Jork was uh, was a central figure, got a goal and an assist. Lebo Motiba, Nuno da Costa scoring. There was uh, an own goal as well. So Strasbourg back um, into the relative safety of, uh, of mid-table. Um, two of the... Um, Ambitious teams, two teams looking to push on and qualify for Europe this season. Saint-Etienne and uh, Montpellier met um, at the Stade Geoffroy-Guichard on Sunday in what was a fairly disappointing game in the end. It it was nil-nil. Montpellier probably shaded it in terms of chances. Saint-Etienne, by the way, were missing 11 first-team players. Claude Puel has... uh, has got an injury crisis to deal with, but he also has a superb goalkeeper. And uh, Stefan Ruffier, I just wanted to to have a moment to express my uh, my my respect, my love for this goalkeeper because he's been one of Ligue 1's best goalkeepers for quite a few years. He is an immense presence for uh, for Saint Etienne at the back. For some reason, no top European teams come in for him and Saint-Étienne fans are probably grateful for that. He pulled off two staves to deny Gaetan Laborde, who I think is probably the unluckiest striker in Ligue 1 this season. Two incredible saves to keep Saint-Étienne um, at nil-nil. And the other reason we're talking about today is because he equaled the record for a number of appearances for a Saint-Étienne goalkeeper. Saint-Étienne, who were a historic team, 10 times French champions. And Ivan Kurkovic, their legendary goalkeeper, um, from the 70s, has also played 304 matches. Ruffier now level with him. And he's kept 116 clean sheets now in those matches, Stefan Ruffier. Can anybody name the lineup when he kept his first clean sheet in his first home game for Saint Etienne? August 2011, they won 1 0 against Nancy. Oh, wow. Ruffier was in August 2011. Loic Perrin. Loic Perrin was there. Ruffier. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Pierre-Eric Mbameyong was at Ruffio, obviously. Was, was Brandao already Brandau? there? Brandao, no. Jeremy Clement? Yes. On fire, Fabien Andy. Lemoine? No. Laurent Batlas? No. He, he wasn't playing. I think he was at the... Brandao? No, Brandao no. wasn't there. Oh, this wow. is pretty hard. Julian Sable? No. Napoli fullback? Kevin Malqui? No. Ah, the other one, Fauzi Goulam. Fauzi Goulam. Valencia midfielder? Valencia midfielder. Oh, the um, tall chap. Joshua Gulavogi. Gulavogi. Oh, he's not Valencia, is he? I'm no. mix up with Kondogbia. He's at Wolves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, up front. Did he win the Champions League with Liverpool? Erding. Guy? No. Erding didn't win the Champions League with Liverpool. Um, um, pa, 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 Cinema Pongo. No. Yeah, yeah, Cinema, Cinema Pongo. Pongo. I think he was Played left for out United of the Champions well. League final. Um, uh, Former Crystal Palace winger. Bakary Sacco. Yep. An Argentine up front. Oh, yeah, Burgessio. Burgessio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Club record signing. And they ju- were the days. We're, we're just missing a big centre-back partnership between... Mustafa Bayasal. No. No. Mi- Migno and Marshall. Okay. And that's the 11. So, so Perrin, Loic Perrin was playing Loic as well? Perrin was playing at right-back, yeah. Oh, right, mm-hmm. okay. But, of course, they had to get through Sebastian Pugrenier in the uh, Nancy defence, didn't they? So it's not- ama- It is amazing. <laughs> and I think this... this uh, I don't know if many listeners would agree with this, but... I think those of us around the table would agree with, with what I'm about to say that there's, I can't remember what happened in Ligue 1 two weeks ago mm. and this applies to football everywhere but I can remember what happened 10 years ago in the most random game or who was playing you know it's that, uh, that was a very strong bizarre, start from yeah. you with three in a row yeah. yeah I think it's something to do with the brain when you hit 
what are you 50 now Andy no four. <laughs> I'm approaching 40 hey steady you know they're, they're, they're yeah I'm younger than Vitorino Hilton yeah that's the eternal debate I'm the only one who's older <laughs> than Vito Hilton by about a month but uh, speaking speaking of 11s uh, Matt and um, mentioning Vitorino Hilton I was discussing with producer Ian um, when during his uh, in the middle of his game yesterday he was uh, we were messaging one another he was commentating Saint-Étienne and Montpellier and um struggling to get through that game, I think, at times, because it wasn't a classic. And we were talking about Vitorino Hilton and uh, the Hotels Eleven, which I think we're going to have to come yeah, back to definitely. sometime, because Vitorino Hilton would be a pillar of the Hotels Eleven. And uh, maybe listeners can uh, send us in some of their favourite uh, footballers yeah. named for hotels. I'm too tough I've a, got a good I'm one. I'm too tough d'accord with yeah. that. So anybody, <laughs> anybody who wants to... Um, so to send in suggestions, you can get us using the hashtag Le Bourgeois on Twitter or send us an email, uh, leagueandpodcast at gmail.com with your hotel-related league and, and just, 11 And just if I can name one very quickly from beyond the league and sphere. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> um, because Paris Saint-Germain were playing Club Bruges in the, uh, Club Brugge, we should say, in the Champions League a few weeks ago. And in their midfield, they had a certain Mats Ritz and uh, he would, of course, fit into that team very good. perfectly. Um, I'm looking out of Dave's window and not only if I crane my neck a bit, I can see, I can see the Eiffel Tower. I can see a a, a hotel called Tim Hotel. So that, you know, Tim, Tim Tim the Tim Weir Hotel. It's where the visiting Tims stay when they're playing in Paris. Guys, guys, we're rambling. We're rambling now, but Andy Scott's getting a photo and I'm sure, I'm sure that'll be up on our website very soon. Let's, um, (laughs) let's move on because there was another big match yesterday. It was Bordeaux, um, against Monaco and uh, David Crossan did his best to, to do this one justice. Finding Golovin in space has been fruitful for Monaco so far. He's getting himself in between the lines. Slimani to Golovin again. Alexander Golovin, the outside of the boot ball. Benyeda to Slimani and it's 1-0 to the visitors. Islam Slimani sixth of the season. That was clinical from the big man. De Preville. Chance, Pablo equalises. Bordeaux 1, Monaco 1. Pablo's third of the season as he makes his return to the side after being injured against Nantes. And how Le Girondin needed that. Nicolas de Preville hits that wall, appeals for a penalty and it's given by Benoit Mio. Slimani getting his second yellow and he's off. Disaster for Monaco. Benoit Mio with no hesitation. Depraville's free kick looked like it was on course to head towards the top corner of Leconte's goal. The decision was definitely the right one. So Depreville from the spot up against Leconte. Bordeaux having been behind after 15 minutes with this to go in front and Depreville finds the bottom corner. An excellent penalty. It needed to be, given that Leconte had gone the right way. And the supporters who were mute in the first half as they protested against the club's owners are delighted now. Dave, Bordeaux 2, Monaco 1. The uh, Bordeaux ultras went on strike, refusing to uh, to encourage the players throughout the first half. It was uh, a protest yeah. against King Street, yeah. the majority shareholders. How was How was this game? I really enjoyed it, actually. There were a lot of chances. It toed and froed. Um, whenever I hear Ultramarine, I always 
hear the sound of James Dean Bradfield singing with 808 State, and that's my musical recommendation for the week. Ultramarine, everything vanishes. But what vanished in the first half was the support. They did start the vocal backing again in the second half, but Monaco began really well. And if Timoe Bakayoko had headed in a really good chance at 1-0, I'm sure they'd have gone on to win the game. But (laughs) they always find a way, and which makes them brilliant to watch for a neutral, of something goes wrong. They implode. They get a man sent off, Slimani sent off. That was the sixth Monaco player sent off this season. And for me, he deserved it because he was in the referee's ear the whole match, got a first yellow card in stupid fashion for arguing, and then the second for the handball. Um, That led to the penalty. De Preville stuck it into the corner and Bordeaux won the game. He was in the wall. And I mean, he's such a huge figure. He doesn't need to put... He put his arm up perhaps to protect his face, but then his arm was protruding, going much higher. Was the case he was trying to make that he was actually trying to raise his arm to stop it hitting his arm? I mean, to to me, it was a penalty. And there couldn't be any complaints, certainly with the new interpretation of the handball law. He couldn't complain about it, but I, I, I did wonder if that was the case he was trying to make, that he was raising his arm so that the ball would strike his sort of chest area without hitting the arm. That's like to breaking into someone's house to avoid someone else stealing something the week afterwards. That's just, it's weird. Armel, you are, is the rumour true that you were going to watch this game and then Jimmy Breon got injured in the warm-up? The rumour is absolutely true, yeah. Your favourite your favorite player who is closing in very slowly on 100 goals. Uh, Briand, one of one of six starting players to miss out for Bordeaux. It's a good win for but, them. But yeah, Jonathan- it was impressive because they had to change their entire back three compared to their previous game, which was the draw against Nice because they had a lot of players suspended. Uh, Benito, who scored his first international goal for Switzerland against Gibraltar during the international <laughs> window, who, who was needed doesn't? at left-sided centre-back. Pablo had a, a good game as the most experienced defender. He was fit again, scored a great header right into the corner. Um, and some players were brought in from the cold, players we hadn't seen for Jonathan ages. Cafu. Cafu. Yeah. Unbelievably, he started the game. He wasn't very good, but at least he tried. I feel like you guys have been um, doing some freelance work during the international break because you're very up on everything that's happened. I'll talk to you about Monaco reserve strikers playing for Burundi if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Monaco are going the wrong way again. 14th. I don't, it's difficult to know what, what to make of this Monaco team. But uh, uh, like you said, Dave, six red cards now this season. That's the most in Europe's top five leagues for any team. Um, and, and they just can't get any consistency. And defensively, again, they're just all over the yeah, place. Second worst defence in the league after Toulouse. Only five points on their travels. Sort those two things out, though, and they will be fine. Golovin was running that game for the first 45 minutes. They found space at will. Slimani was moving over to the left-hand side. Bakayoko, so powerful on his return from injury. The ingredients are there. They've just got to focus a bit more and be better defensively. How Benoit Badiashil is rated at 40 million euros in the French papers, I've got no idea. If Saliba's worth 30 million, then Badiashil's worth under half that. Well, there is there is a big market, isn't there, for a, for any young player playing regularly in a, in a, in a league and team is always going to attract interest from from abroad. But does that mean Monaco have had more red cards than wins then this season? I think possibly six red cards and five wins. Is that would Correct. that be right? But I, I think we are getting to the point. You know, we're we're coming up to the winter break now. We're getting to the point where a team like Monaco, we keep thinking, oh, this is it. They're going to go on a run. It's just not happening. And you do wonder if actually this team, for all their undoubted talents going forward, I think Gullivan's having a great season. Slimani and Ben Yedder obviously play very well. I point out that play but yesterday. He was on the bench. He had a face protector because he broke his nose yeah. on international duty. But I just wonder if we're getting to the point where actually they're, they're going to they're going to just and end up drifting into a mid-table. Before you accuse me of earning money on the side. You, know, you don't think they're just going to fire Jardine? 
Well, I mean that. Well, if, if I know, they, I know if they Thierry Henry's back in work, so they can't have him yeah. again, which is a shame. But Zlatan, player, coach. Portuguese coaches are, of course, very much in fashion. And that was a Portuguese coaching duel, wasn't it? Paulo Sousa getting the better of Leonardo. Oh, what, what was nice, it was so quiet in the first half. I was treated to the polyglot Paulo Sousa's full range of languages as he spoke mm. to Jonathan Cafu in Portuguese, spoke to other players in English, other players in French. It's very impressive. Mm. The French uh, the French fans were, were active over the weekend, weren't they? What with uh, the Toulouse supporters having their grève d'encouragement, the Lyon supporters, the um, the the supporter group 1950, I think they're called, they're named Who after... Who were founded the, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were founded 10 years ago, but they're named after the year that Lyon was created. They they had a big celebration um, for, for for their 10-year anniversary, and um, they they let off a lot of flares at half-time, and the game was delayed by 15 minutes, and Lyon came down heavily on them um, afterwards. And... I saw I saw on French television as well the Toulouse players going and talking to the uh, to the Toulouse fans afterwards and uh, Pierre Menez who's uh, everybody's favorite pundit on French television said uh, he doesn't understand why they bother giving these supporters importance and going and talking to them well you know I actually think it's quite good I think it's 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 nice to see the the players we often see teams that are in trouble and they go and talk to the supporters and it usually gets a little bit feisty I do I do think just a, I said earlier I wasn't going to sort of linger on Toulouse but Max Alain Gradel was asked about this after the game because he, he spoke to the, the pitch side reporter and actually he was quite right you know Toulouse did play pretty well in that game against a decent side they were down to 10 men for most of the game the supporters it is a bit odd that they were sort of choosing that specific uh, moment to really have a go at the players well, remonstrate with them well you can't have a word if you're not there that, so. exactly yeah but anyway yes I think we're, we're, we're coming to the end we could talk all morning but we won't. We won't because people have got other things to do. Um, and uh, and we want to do, uh, a, a, what's it called? A bon voyage. Let's go. I've just seen the sun is out over the Eiffel Tower. I'm quite looking forward to going and grabbing a, a little uh, espresso and a, and a croissant and um, looking ahead to next weekend's fixtures. Well, I'll, I'll kick us off uh, a little trip to Marseille for me just because it's Friday night. It's the, it's the first game. I don't think I can wait until Saturday to, uh, to, to see some more Ligue 1 action. And Marseille are flying at the moment under AVB. And, you know, they've got five matches between now and the winter break that are winnable. One or two mm. tricky ones. I think they've got Bordeaux at home and Angers away. But they play Metz. They play Nîmes. They play Brest. It's Brest on Friday. Bring on the title charge. Uh, I would. I'll be actually in Bucharest this coming weekend for the European Championship draw. We'll get to Woo! see who France are playing. So unfortunately, I will not be able to take in a Ligue 1 game uh, this weekend. But if I were able to take one in, I would head to Strasbourg, the start of the Marché de Noël, which exactly, is yeah. world-renowned. And uh, Strasbourg playing Lyon That's on a Christmas Saturday afternoon for the non-French speakers. Yes, yes. At, chat, uh, Andy. At who, who, who are you hoping for for, for Scotland in the draw? Uh, let's just worry about the playoff first and then we'll see uh, whether okay. the rest will take care of itself. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, I think I'll go down to Nice to watch Nice against Angers. Can Patrick Vieira's men wake up or will Stefan Moulin's windmill keep turning? I'll go to Monaco PSG the following night. May even join you for a, a late night drink in Nice, Armel, on the Saturday. That's a nice offer, Dave. That, that really is. What a shame Slimani is going to be suspended for, for that game because I would have liked to have seen Slimani and, and Ben Yedder give PSG a bit of a, 
a bit of a battle. That that concludes our, our podcast. You've been listening to Le Bourgeois. We'll be back uh, next weekend. A lot of action coming up because we've got a midweek round um, after next weekend. So do do keep abreast of all things Brest and Angers and the rest of Ligue 1 from me, Matt Spiro, Armel Tangi, Andy Scott and David Crossan. It's time to say au revoir et à bientôt. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Oh, what a goal! Killian Mbappe wraps it up.